There was a time and place that this university was feared. My goal as the head football coach at the University of Tennessee it is to get us back to that point. All right? Let me just quote the late, great Colonel Sanders. He said, I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. That's what she said. One step in the end zone. It's tipped up. It's caught. It is caught. Jawan Jennings. Jawan Jennings. Good morning. Afternoon. Evening. Brunch time. Lunch time. Ramey's stopwatch has been running for 164 hours. And 21 time. minutes. And 21 minutes time. That's how long it's been since we potted last week. Time. How much stop in this stop? Whatever time of day it is. It's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Full crew. The uh, full fam damnly in the house today. Wes Rucker joined by... Grant Ramey, Ryan Callahan, Patrick Brown, coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio on a gorgeous, gorgeous morning here in Knoxville, Tennessee. It's the, it's the podcast time. And again, we're recording a few of them on the same day, but I think this one will be released on Friday morning. So this will be the last podcast that runs. Um, before big weekend coming up. So looking forward to that. And most importantly, I will be... I have my own paper to crinkle this time. What do you got, Pat? I have in your hands the... In your hands or Wes's? No, it's in my hands. Okay, you said your hands. Did I say say that wrong? In my own hands. Audio Callahan. I am looking at the wedding day timeline for Wes Rucker and his... Soon to be bride. Yeah, she is probably. She still has time. The most stu- to rethink her decision. The most stupidly organized person on planet Earth. That what what Pat is holding there is the first, I believe, of three editions. I believe that that we've had of the uh, wedding day timeline. Let's put it this way: they arrive at the reception place, like for like where the ceremony is going to take place. They arrive there one to two hours before. The groom party tees off on hole one. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's how that's the difference in the time that we'll be getting there that day. So uh, it, it's a shame that this isn't a live podcast because we could take callers or people posting on the board saying because I could throw this out. I could say throw out a time and I will tell you what West <laughs> will be doing on Saturday. So uh, Grant, give me a time. Eleven forty-five a.m. 11.45 a.m. is a light lunch delivered to the bridal suite in Not the groom quarters. Uh, Y'all are still going to be golfing at 11.45, right? Yeah, there's no <laughs> chance we'll be. Okay, that, that might be why this is the first edition, because there's no... We will be... We'll Maybe pro- making we'll, the turn? We'll probably have made the turn right around yeah. then. 2.30 p.m. Playing 18, not 9. Bridal portraits, Grant. Bridal portraits. Hey, I was... I was I had, by the way, I had pals for uh, lunch before my Me wedding. too. Oh, you guys suck. Um... I see one thing missing from this schedule, though. Oh, boy. 30 minutes before the wedding starts, there's supposed to be one that says, reconsider whether you want to go through with it. Yeah, that's not that on there. It should be every 30 minutes. Well, here, here's the thing about that, is that we have already paid in full mm-hmm. for a week in St. Lucia for the honeymoon. So 
I think if she wanted to not do it, the safer bet would still be to go through with the ceremony. Technically, y'all yeah. are already married, right? Because you got your license? Yeah. Go to well, St. Lucia and then get the annulment right after coming back. Well, usually you get the the certificate right, and then you, someone has to sign it. That's right. To Ryan, make it official or whatever. Ryan, give me a time later in the day. Um, like, like night. Uh, 7.30. 7.30, the cake is cut and served to guests. That's where we're involved. Oh, yes. Assuming that we're all invited. But he, let's, let's get this out of the way. Cake is the best part of any wedding. Your cake better be good. Oh, no, no. It's not going to be the best part of this wedding. Look at 9 p.m. Uh, 9 p.m. is the bouquet toss. Nope. 9.30. <laughs> there's, there's nothing on here at 9 He doesn't even know. He doesn't even know. There's nothing on here at 9.30. You don't 9:30. need to be talking about well, what you're doing on your wedding night. <laughs> no, this is why we're still... This party's breaking up way too early. This is why we're still... Everyone's still at um, the good old mill of mine for the ceremony. This is going to be at. There's nothing at nine thirty on the first of it on the first edition. Well, an hour before the reception ends, there is a, get this, a nacho bar. Oh. A late night nacho bar. Why do they save that till the end? That doesn't say that. There, there's because none, there's, there's no there's, mention of this on this because on this timeline. First off, my soon-to-be bride loves nachos more than anything in the world, myself included, and. Secondly, there's going to be a lot of booze at this wedding, and so that gives people, hopefully everyone, Ubers or taxis home. But just in case someone's had, a, someone's had a couple, get a full plate of nachos and then, uh, and then go. So, and then we're, we're driving off in a uh, 1960s uh, VW van. I was hoping it would be whatever car you were in at the rental car place. <laughs> Oh, the, the, what was that? The Dodge? What's the Dodge crossover? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We couldn't figure that the out. The Dodge Journey. I think we had one yeah. in Memphis. Yeah. So that would be. I didn't wreck that one. Though. Oh, that's right. Because I think we stepped in it and I said, hey, this is just like the car that I ran to the brick wall at Enterprise Rental Car. That's fantastic. So you should have a Dodge Journey just symbolically. Who, who owns the Volkswagen van? Uh, it's actually cool. It'll be the. And do they know? That'll be the photo booth at the wedding, like for people to. It's like the inside of it's kind of tricked out, like a, like disco ball and all this other stuff. And you're gonna you're gonna go in there and take photos. So no, I'm saying, who so, owns it? Do they know you're driving? Right so that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty much a yeah, rental. So technically, you're renting a car. For the yeah, first but I'm not driving. But I'm not driving it. No, I'm not driving it. Lauren's driving it. Who's driving it? Um, one of we're being chauffeured out, I believe. Because it'd be weird, because it's like a VW van, so it would be like, hey, you get in the back seat, and I'll just drive. That's kind of weird. So someone's going to someone's gonna be driving us. Fancy, bro. Well, before people tune out, we should probably talk Tennessee well, stuff. The, but. the reason I wanted to share this is because this is the most important timeline since the Bruce Pearl timeline that was, came up during every Tennessee basketball game during Absolutely. the 2010-2011 season. And, yep. that, and one of the... One Hashtag of, memories. One of the... Uh, one of the Bridesmaids is one of the ESPN production TV people, so she was probably in charge so of putting she, together the Bruce she, Pearl graphic. She probably timeline. at some point dealt with the infamous Bruce Pearl timeline. I'm just guessing. But before y'all are wondering, yes, there will be uh, at least one, if not two, podcasts next week. We'll get those in the can before I head off to St. Lucia and turn off my phone for the first time in a long, long time. And, and you know what that means? Not be ignored. This is a Rucker Rule Red Alert. Yeah, something will crash and burn. Either during Wes's wedding, as I've been told, we discussed this uh, on a radio show I did this week, and or if if not that, definitely next week while you have your phone off and you're out of the country. That is that is like 
if there's ever been a prime rucker rule situation, that's it. I imagine we're going to try to get our flight back to Knoxville, and they're going to say, actually, that flight's been canceled because Knoxville no longer exists. The sun sphere fell over. It's yeah, and, and All it, the wig store stuff inside fell out. And it was full of, like, nuclear like stuff it's got basically an h-bomb inside the sun sphere and it just detonated and everybody's gone and so you'll have to go somewhere else to live maybe what would what would you say pat go to nashville at that point nope just keep on going go to memphis memphis. clarksville i'll go live with my brother in memphis that's how we'll that's how we'll do this we got a lot to talk about on this podcast besides Uh, west getting married yeah besides that which you know i am still can't believe that's happening that's what a bizarre gonna, thing to say. I'm going to go ahead and congratulate you. Congrats, because I don't think you can screw it up even at this point. Nah, I'm going to wait. We've There's already been a lot of money put down on this <laughs> thing, so I'm pretty sure it's going to happen. Have you met Wes Rucker? Pretty sure, <laughs> pretty sure it's going to happen. Although I've, I've taken ill on the way to the wedding. I will say... What, the, what's going to happen on the golf course? Something... <laughs> Uh, no broken my, leg. My mom, raccoon my, attack. My mom told me tree falls. That, my mom told me that she is going to golf cart. Injury. Probably head to the golf golf course at some time during there just to make sure that we're not too drunk because that's what she said her one job is that day to make sure that everyone in the groom party shows up somewhat sober for the ceremony itself. That that's what my mom said her job was that day. You don't want to be drunk at your wedding. Just... No, I'm not going to be. Okay, all right. I'm but just my giving mom, you some advice. My mom is worried that when the guys, when we start playing golf and then before the ceremony starts, you know, she she's, she has reasons to be a little bit concerned, but we will be fine. There, none, of that, none of that will be happening. We got a lot to talk about on this podcast, guys. We got a, a, a few things that we'll talk about at the very end, which are the most important things from this one probably, which are – the latest with which is the latest with Tennessee's newcomer situation. There's a lot going on with all of that. Who is in town? Who is not in town? Who has been added to the class? We will discuss all of that. Got a couple of things, house cleaning items to get to first. Uh, here's the first thing, and I think this is there. You know, there are so many people inside a football program like a Tennessee that do a whole lot of work and a whole lot of really good work and they don't get a lot of public credit for it, perhaps. They're kind of behind the scenes doing a lot of important things. With Tennessee, there's a core of people, and there's not many people who have been around that program anymore that have been there for multiple decades. It's just a different era, more transient, so many coaching changes. But one of the people who has been a constant in that program for the past three decades is uh, video director Joe Harrington, and he has been – one of the absolute best in the business. You know, Tennessee, even when Tennessee has not done very well on the field recently, Tennessee has one of the best video guys on planet Earth. The NFL has tried for years to poach this guy. Uh, I, I know of at least three franchises off the top of my head who have tried in the past decade or so to get this guy to go to them. And he has finally accepted one of those offers. He is going to work with uh, future Vols head coach John Gruden with the <laughs> Oakland Raiders. Um, so congratulations to Joe Harrington, an absolutely fantastic guy, has the coolest tricked-out golf cart with speakers I've ever seen, played a round of golf with him one time, and it was, really, it was like a Rodney Dangerfield and Caddyshack kind of thing going on there. Uh, and just a really – just a you could tell the messages that people were sending to him when he – when this was announced, how much he meant to so many people. Yeah, this uh, this is a guy that I believe, I don't think I'm misremembering this, I think he 
came up with some of the methods that they have of dealing with video in the NFL yes. to this day. Yes. Um, was one of the first to use certain techniques and things like that. So he's he's really good, as you said. You know that there may not be uh, a, a better one at the college level, and there's a reason NFL teams have come after him uh, for for years. And uh, it, interesting that at this point he decided to go ahead and, and make that move, but. He's at a point in his career he'd been at Tennessee, what, 27 years? Yeah. He may have just decided, you know what, if I'm ever going to make the move, I need to go ahead and, and make it. It's kind of – it reminded me of kind of like George Quarles, the former Maryville High School coach, who had, for years people talked about him going to the college game, and he never did. He always seemed happy at Maryville. Finally got the opportunity to go back to his alma mater at Furman, and it was kind of like one of those situations where you're kind of like, if I'm ever going to make this move, I need to go ahead and do it. Maybe it was the same thing with Joe Harrington and finally deciding – you know what, I should take a chance and go to the NFL and, and see what this is like. So congrats to him. Uh, heck of an opportunity, obviously. And uh, I know everyone at Tennessee is is sad to see him go. And, and Peyton Manning and plenty of other former players will tell you about his influence. Uh, Peyton just, you know, watched, watched and dissected film maybe more than any other Tennessee player over the years. But pretty much all of them, even Khalil McKenzie, whose dad, Reggie, is now, the, you know, of course, the GM that just hired him at, in Oakland. Uh, you know, all those guys were, you know, tweeting about Joe Harrington. So you could ask pretty much any Tennessee player from the last three decades about him and get some sort of story, I'm sure. Yeah, and he was a guy that was, I mean, top of his field. I mean, has won, I think, multiple SEC video coordinator of the year, was a national video coordinator of the year not that long ago. Um, you know, we've all seen the shirts at practice, the Joe Pole. Joe Pole, yep. Yeah. Uh, if you ever see, there's a manager who's got to stand on a big, long pole with a, <laughs> with a video camera on top of it to get – I mean, it's just like a simple thing, but like – at the time that he created it, probably nobody had thought of it. Yeah, the, the guy who does that now, the kid who does it, has a beard and really, really long hair, and they call him, <laughs> they call him Joe Paul Jesus. <laughs> he says his name uh, in the program. And, uh, you know, Ryan touched on it. If you go and Google Peyton Manning and Joe Harrington, you'll find some pretty cool stuff about how Peyton would call him a lot during his open dates in the NFL and be like, hey, can you pull this play from this game during my Tennessee career? I want to show it to, to my guy. You know, I want to maybe use it here and – um, you know, they're still close friends, and he's a guy that's probably got a lot of good stories to tell from being at Tennessee for so long. And, uh, you know, it's interesting that he's leaving now, though, because, you know, he's been here for almost 30 years. And been through tons of turmoil. I mean, let's <laughs> look at the last decade alone, all the all the coaching changes and all that. He's He's been here through it all, seen, seen all the craziness go down. And, uh, yeah, it's interesting timing, but regardless, you know, congrats to him on – Reminds me of David Cutcliffe, uh, who basically – you know, he's like, Knoxville's my home, but I'm going to go work somewhere else for a, a little bit. Yeah, that, that, there's that, never a bad time to move to northern California and wine, yeah. wine country. It's uh, true. And, very, very and, fair. And even, enjoy a, a new challenge for a bit. I, I got, even the East Bay area in Oakland has gotten a lot nicer in recent years. And moved to Vegas after that. Yeah, I got to uh, take a little peek behind the, the curtain of, of Harrington's operation a couple years ago um, when Tennessee did some virtual reality stuff. And there was a couple yeah. years ago when that was a – a thing that colleges were, were paying, you know, they were outsourcing it and having these people that did it. Uh, I think Striver was their the company's name. They were bringing it in, and, you know, quarterbacks were using it because they would put a camera behind them and you know, all that stuff. Anyways, Harrington saw a bunch of this stuff at something, and Butch Jones and his coaching staff wanted to do it at the time. Well, Harrington was like, hey, well, I can think I can do this myself, so give me some time to work on it. And uh, he, actually, he actually found a way to, like, do his own virtual reality system where he took, like, a cube of GoPros and attached them together. And somehow it created a 360-degree video. And he put it on a little pole, and they would put it right behind the uh, the quarterbacks, and it worked. I mean, he's got a really nice office. It's very, very cool. 
uh, in terms of the temperature because he's got all these servers running all the time to produce all this video. And because uh, I mean, they, they crank out film from games and practice. It looks like you're in like a highly secure government location. Yes, yes, that's that's a good that's a good way of putting it. And it's like I mean, they get this stuff out to these guys within. You know, I, I would say game film is probably ready for the coaches by the time they get done with all their like their in, post game media in minutes. I, I was going to say and they I've, have it to where that's you know it's, it's accessible for players on their like iPad so they can watch it in class and all this stuff. And um, it, it, his desk's in there. He has no chairs in there at all because you don't have time to sit down if you're working for Joe. You know, because you're trying to produce yeah. video, you're running in and out. Um, they've it's got a modern the, standing desk. They, they've got like a little video perches on top of the Anderson Training Center overlooking the practice field so that they can you know have you know all sorts of angles of practice so um the guy did that on his own like that's how good he is at his job that he he said he saw something that other people were doing and said you know what i can do that myself and did it he said it took a lot of trial and error and um but safe save tennessee a lot of money on not bringing an outside yeah people. yeah it did mm-hmm. and and you know i don't you know i don't know if, i don't know if they still do it i don't know if they'll still use it but yeah i don't i don't know if he produced it but i know at one point it, butch jones's staff was using virtual reality stuff to show players the game day experience. Well, yeah, they, they had um, – he, he I got to look at a few things he did. One was where he took it. He had it, like, on a fishing pole, and he, he, he dangled it over the edge of the Anderson Training Center. Mm-hmm. And so you're looking at the street down below, and you're kind of like – got me a little – got me a little woozy there because I was yeah. like, I'm hanging out in the air. Um, but, yeah, like running through the tee, mm-hmm. going through the vault walk, I think they took the camera down there, and yep. so they got to see part of that. And so that's, that's a good point you bring that up. So you could have – yeah, you could have recruits in the coach's office – Offices watching put on, put put on, on these VR, goggles, yeah, VR goggles, and they're they're basically simulating in a way, in a in a legal way, what what it's like to participate in the ball walk in so, a legal way or a way that the law hasn't caught up with yet. Yeah, a way that <laughs> a way that the NCAA has yet to forbid. So that's that's an example of uh, the impact that I, I think that was him that the that they had on on the program under his watch, and uh, yeah, they're they're going to miss him. I, people who might not understand, I mean, Patrick kind of touched on it there. I think I think I'm not wrong in saying this that. They asked the video coordinator to have video ready even at halftime of games, because coaches only have a few minutes. And, 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 and you know, you bring this up, and I think college is trying to get to the point where they have tablets and stuff on the sideline, yeah. like they do in the NFL. I think they've put that on hold right now. But mm-hmm. if you had a guy like Joe doing that, I think that would be a real asset to you because you'd have oh, that yeah. stuff really quick. But I was gonna say, even at halftime, I think I've heard that they try to have this stuff ready, and you know, coaches maybe have two or three minutes at most to look back at something, photos and and things like that, and talk about what. The opposing team is doing, and so they. I think they even have film queued up then and ready, just in case they want it at halftime to discuss possible adjustments. Yeah, I'll I'll end this talk on Joe with a couple things. One, uh, if people are talking about who will replace him, he does have uh, pupils kind of all over the place that he has tutored over the years and mentored, and he's you know it's almost like a little coaching tree of people that that are still at Tennessee or have gone other places. I have very little doubt that they'll be able to get someone. Uh, someone good in that role and also it won't hurt that whoever they're trying to hire will be going to work and to run a studio that joe harrington helped design and build to Mm -hmm. the exact specifications that he wanted like that that layout in there he was there when it was built so he it's perfect for anyone who wants to do that kind of stuff there's no shortage of cupboard is not bare yeah you'll have plenty of stuff to go into there, and the second thing is, I saw a tweet from Kurt Majet that I think pretty much encapsulated what Joe Harrington's been to Tennessee football for the past thirty years. When he said basically something like, "Anytime for the past thirty years, any player ever tried to watch film, something didn't go right. No matter where you were in the office, no matter where you were in the complex, 
you just yelled to the top of your lungs, Joe, and he would be right there, and he would fix it. And that guys like that are they're kind of behind the scenes that do so many important things for a program. I mean, we could do that. We could do an entire, you know, episode you on guys God. like Fraze, Fraze, Hawk. You know, yeah, Hawk, uh, Max. Yeah, yeah. Here's here's, know, here's all how, those guys. Here's how Kurt Majet said it: Team meeting slash unit meeting slash any meeting. Something technical go wrong. <laughs> Everybody howling and echoing Joe, and then put goat. Yeah. So that's that's how he's viewed by a lot of current and former Tennessee players, and and yeah, he will he will definitely be missed by a lot of people. And one of those behind the scenes guys that has has gotten his his recognition over the years, but still still sort of one of those unsung heroes behind the scenes that that does a lot for Tennessee and. And that will be difficult to replace, I'm sure. I agree. Uh, we'll move on with a couple other things before we get to the uh, the the main main topic, the uh, soup du jour, soup of the day. Sounds good. We'll have that uh, really quickly here. Tennessee, for the past several years, it's almost become a bit of a running joke that uh, Tennessee gets massacred by the Major League Baseball draft every year. And why you know a lot of programs do, but Tennessee's been trying to rebuild for a long time and. It's really hard to rebuild in the SEC when everybody loses some draft picks, but you lose the best few in your class when you're trying to catch up to the pack in a conference that is just brutal. How brutal is the SEC in recruiting? Think about this. Tennessee baseball, in Vitello's first season, by the way, could, could, give him a, could give him a little bit of a golf clap, a little bit of a golf clap, was eighth in the country. Vitello took over a program that had one of the worst, has some of the worst facilities in the SEC, has not won in a while, has not gone to, you know, three College World Series appearances, but none in a decade. And he went there and got the number eight recruiting class in the country in the first year. However, that was, was the that like number seven in the six SEC? in the SEC in recruiting. So and, and three of his um, uh, best pieces in that uh, in that class have been selected in the first five rounds of this year's Major League Baseball first year player draft, which is the longest name of any draft in the world. Uh, but here they are. It's John, the, the, the linchpin piece here was Jonathan Ornelas, the uh, shortstop middle infielder from Arizona. Uh, he was one of the best prospects in the country, so they had to think it was possible that he got picked early. And these are all high school guys, right? Uh, two of the three are. Okay. And he went with the number 91 overall pick, uh, which is in the third round. How much money do you get for the getting Texas there? Texas Rangers. You get uh, the slot value approximately, and this isn't hard and fast, but it's around this, is about $625,000. Congratulations to him. Congratulations to him because we'll see you later. <laughs> I would say he most likely will not step foot on Tennessee's campus. Uh, a couple more that were taken just after that uh, were Crowder College left-hander Aaron Ashby, who was uh, selected by the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, who are just never losing First ever, place apparently. In the NL Central. I For think. now, until yep. the Cubs start passing them, which they've been playing better ball lately. Uh, they are, he went with the number 125 overall pick. That was in the fourth round. Uh, this guy went uh, plays at a, a small JUCO, Crowder College. He threw three no-hitters this spring. That's pretty good. Uh, a left-hander who threw three no-hitters this spring. So it would have just been a plug-and-play guy in Tennessee's rotation. Now – you know, maybe you could make the case that since he was a JUCO guy. Come back and play a year at Tennessee. And, and you can go in the first couple rounds and get even more yep. money. So they might have a chance there. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, it depends. It might depend on his family's financial situation to be sure. to be point, uh, you know, to be pointed about that. We will see. And then a guy who I really liked a lot as a prospect, and now it's going to be tough for Tennessee to keep him, is William English. He is a uh, like a six-foot-five 
right-hander out of Michigan. Uh, he's at Western International High School in Taylor, Michigan. Uh, he's a big, strong kid, 6'5 or so, throws the ball hard. Uh, just a lot, a lot, lot to like about him as a prospect. He went with the number 151 overall pick, which is the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. And I just now realized it in this story. I wrote Los Angeles Angles. So I'll have to go in and fix that. Good work. Uh, yeah, the, uh, Good the editorial skills. The right, the Los Angeles right angles. Uh, the fifth round. Could be wrong angles. Yeah, it's true. Wrong answer, Bob. Acute <laughs> angles. <laughs> being so obtuse. <laughs> what is obtuse? Am I being obtuse? Oh, nope. Now you're being acute. So that will be 151 overall. Shout so, out to Family Guy. So it's going to be tough for Tennessee to do that, uh, to keep some of those guys. And, you know, this stuff goes – it can be really tough. Like, like for instance, and I know I've told this story a lot. I'll tell it just one more time. Uh, Mookie Betts in the 2011 draft, uh, a kid out of Nashville, went to the Boston Red Sox, I believe, in the fifth round. And uh, he enrolled at Tennessee. He had started practicing with the team. That's how much everyone was sure that he was not going to sign. Uh, but then what happened was I believe the Red Sox uh, were unable to come to terms with a couple picks that they made right in front of Mookie Betts, so they had to get Mookie Betts. They ha- every, it, it became like no matter what it takes, we're going to sign this kid. Uh, they came at him with like double or triple the offer right before, and I'm talking minutes, like minutes before the midnight deadline for this, uh, and he signed to those terms. And so he had been – he was in his dorm at Tennessee going through practice, working out with the team. Kid from Nashville, wanted to be evolved. It was a great story. He was going to be a big program-changing type player. And uh, that all went down within, like, I mean, three or four minutes before the deadline passed. So this is always a tough situation. Uh, but there'll be some resolution relatively soon because guys have until July 6th to sign, which is yeah. not too long. So about a month to either come to terms or – be gone this is the hard part about college baseball that i it would drive me nuts as a coach i mean can you imagine having to win these recruiting battles you're going you're fighting tooth and nail for I mean, some of these kids like you know one from arizona you're you're battling west coast schools you're battling at other sec schools i think your biggest problem is you're battling signing bonuses and i was gonna say grand. well you're, you're yeah you're battling these other schools more. and then even if you get them you still might lose them to, to the major leagues um just you don't know you kind of have to try to dra- uh, sign those guys that are in that next tier below the surefire drafted guys. That's that are what the- Tennessee's tried to do for the past several yeah. years. Is that, And I know for a fact that, that Serrano tried to do this. He and his staff, they tried to go target guys who were good enough to make an impact early in the SEC and be really good players, but maybe they were more developmental guys from a professional perspective, so they might not be drafted high enough to go. So they were trying – people were saying, why does Vanderbilt keep getting all these other kids? And, well, because Tennessee was targeting a lot of those top second-tier guys thinking that, you know, they had basically had a strategy. And in a couple of those cases, they had one Juco pitcher who they were just – they knew he was going to go to Tennessee. They were feeling great about it. Then the kid goes out there in the month or so before the draft – and just dominates. He just all of a sudden the lights went off, and he got just he he went off. And Tennessee's like, oh no. But then the guy got drafted, and they thought, okay, he still went low enough, where he has said he's not going to take below X dollars. And there's no way this team, the Brewers, are going to offer him X dollars. And they offered him something well below that, and he took it on the last day. So it's it. It's a nightmare for people. And when you're trying to catch up in the SEC, which is heads, head and shoulders above the rest in terms of college baseball, uh, it's hard to do that when 
you're trying to get recruits into school. Uh, you're trying to make sure they don't get drafted, but you get them. It's a really hard situation. So we will update y'all on that. Although I will say last thing on real, that. Real quick though, like what is Kyler Murray thinking? I mean, you mentioned baseball signees, but you yeah, know, occasionally there are football guys you have to worry about this too. I know yeah. Tennessee about a decade ago had a guy was Casey Kelly was his name, quarterback yep. that got drafted by the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how he, how did he end up doing. He's a Memphis Redbird right now, isn't he? You baseball guys know more than I do. I don't know if he is. I'm, uh, I wasn't aware of that. Murray was what the number nine pick. That's a slot value of like four point seven million. Why would you play football at Oklahoma? You know, because you. I guess you can always come back and play. And I mean, Tennessee's got yeah. a guy in this in this current class and Trayvon Flowers who might get drafted. He's talking about maybe playing this season and then signing with uh, Murray. You mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So. So he still may play, which is risky. I, I don't know how how long they have. How long do they, they have, have? They have until next draft, year's draft right? okay. to sign them. So okay. yeah, you, you see that sometimes. Right. He, he's he's triple A with the Giants right now. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I didn't. I thought he was it was the Cardinals, but it's the Giants. Yep. So, so that, that's where he is. He did so play he, a little bit for the Braves. He, he was a first round pick though, a quarterback that was chosen in the first round several years ago, Casey Kelly. Yeah. Murray, the former, and he was at A and M, right? Mm-hmm. I remember that correctly. Yeah. So occasionally shockingly, have a, occasionally have a fo- overall pick. Occasionally have a football guy that you got to worry about. Yeah, Jeff Samarja at Notre Dame years ago. Yeah, Chris Winkie, Tennessee's running backs coach. Yep, was this in the same signing class originally as Charlie Ward? It's <laughs> ninety, and he was and he was in one of those deals where he got to campus and was there for a little while at Florida State, and then, and then left to play baseball, and yeah. then came back to Ad, play baseball. Adam Dunn was like nine years ago. Adam Dunn was Adam Dunn was a great. Football prospect, yeah. Uh, Texas signed with Texas to play quarterback, and then the Reds drafted him. I guess, and the rest is history. So there was a guy that North Carolina happen. signed, I think, that was a five star that in this in this draft. I think. Hey Tennessee Adams, I think Tennessee football has got a couple uh, been recruiting a couple kids who are also really good baseball prospects. Yeah. So you know, Josh Dobbs could have been drafted if he would have wanted to go that route. If so, he had pursued that in college, yeah, there was people that thought he was a draftable type player. I, I remember years ago, several years ago, I remember Tennessee running back Cedric Houston. Uh, threw like a 93-mile-per-hour fastball and could have been drafted out of high school if he wanted to go that route. So we'll keep you all up to date on all of that. Couple, couple of more things uh, to get to before we get to the main course. I guess the main thing we will talk about, uh, rest in peace, pour one out for uh, Belle Biv DeVoe Davenport, <laughs> uh, former Tennessee – uh, University of Tennessee at Knoxville Chancellor turned into disgraced communications school professor. Hey, but she's getting a nice $1.3 million. See you later, patient. Now a $1.3 million buyout to leave the university, which if you're Tennessee, buyout was, you. was the only thing you could do because she's got so many allies on that campus, on the faculty, and it was a really contentious decision. Whatever you think about her, she had a lot of allies, a lot of powerful allies there. It took a lot of maneuvering politically to get that, to get her out of there. And to keep her around in a diminished role was going to cause problems for the University of Tennessee. It also they looked, had to do this. I it, think. it also looked bad. It, it was it was kind of an easy joke to make, but you fired Your communication her. Communication is very poor. Yeah, now go work in the College of Communication and Information. Right, and it, and it it probably to the faculty in the College of Communications. I don't know how that would be taken either. Um, so it I don't know, just a weird situation. Uh, as as a lot of people would say, the optics were kind of bad. I, I I just think it was the right move to go ahead and part ways there and turn that page. And you know this this is an interesting time now in transition for Tennessee's leadership on on campus. You've got uh, no no permanent chancellor in place right now. You've got Joe Di, Joe DiPietro. That's you know there's talk of him stepping stepping down by the end of the year or early next year or something like that. So uh, th- this is kind of a 
tenuous next year or so for Tennessee, depending on how this transition goes. And, and they, they need to make some good decisions here, obviously, for their future. They tried to make it sound like it's, you know, what we're paying her one time is now less than what we were going to be paying her over the four years that she was supposed to be making about 450 grand in her role. So that's what they tried to. They said that they were going to. They said that over the next four years, they would have probably paid her in the neighborhood of two million in terms of salary and benefits and in her faculty role. And then they said, "Nah, just go away." Yeah. Here's one point three. <laughs> Here's one point three million dollars. Uh, just a quick aside note: um, Tennessee is still paying one of its former athletic directors, but it's not the most recent athletic director. They're still paying Dave Hart, by the way. <laughs> is that not so, Tennessee? <laughs> like, can they're they? They're paying not- him through se- this September. It's like, you know what? I've always said that I want to stay in this business. However, you need to go get a job at Tennessee. If the University so of Tennessee <laughs> tries to offer me <laughs> some sort nice of position, Dak, listen, we're tired of you criticizing us. We, we would rather have you uh, in the tent peeing out than out of the tent peeing in. And they say, you know what? We're going to hire you. I would always be like, no, I wouldn't do that. But now I'm like, okay, if I did that, I would definitely do something to get fired because that's probably what I would do. And then you don't I would to get do, like, a lot of money for don't that. Don't do something to get fired. Just be like mediocre to bad at your job. Yep. I can do that easily. That's what I do. <laughs> that's what I've been doing for what? How am I now? I've been doing that for like 18 years now. <laughs> uh, that's that. That's second nature to me. I can go out there. I don't even have to try to do, no, to do bad. No, my goodness. If I try super, super hard, I'm mediocre. That's if I give my maximum effort, I'll be mediocre. So Ima- like, imagine if you're... An accountant or whatever trying to balance the books on campus at Tennessee. You, you just got hired recently, yeah. and you're like, "Who are all these people? Yeah. Why am I paying? Uh, who is the person on campus that has to remember? I don't like, know. They walk oh, into, we got to send the check here. They yeah. walk into the first meeting. They go, "Listen, guys, I, I I found something with our books that's a little bit weird. Seems like we're paying about eight million dollars a year to people who don't even work here. Is that you, you know that's weird, right?" Is that is that, that sounds illegal? Is that is that is that okay? Like, is this like some sort of political thing here? Or do what? I have to make sure which I, I know which account this money is coming from? <laughs> like, and then like while that and then is this the state like bank here, and the state government every year will try to provide less and less money to the university, and so you go, I just I don't know how I'm going to make this work, guys. I, I don't I don't. This is not how this works. So, anyways, congratulations to Beverly Davenport for being the latest person uh, to get a really. Really nice going away present from Tennessee. Some people give you like a gold watch. Some people throw like a little party for you with some cake. Tennessee gives you millions and millions of dollars when you leave. It's like you don't even need a 401k when you're there. You don't even need to set aside savings for a rainy day because when the rainy day comes, Tennessee's going to give you an umbrella and it's not, it's going to be covered in gold and diamonds. So yeah, if you're working at Tennessee, don't even worry about that 401k. You don't need it. They're going to be giving you millions of dollars when you leave. Easy, easy, easy job. Hashtag blessed. Blessed. Hashtag blessed. All right, main course, we will get to this. We need to get to this. It took us a few more minutes than I thought to get to this. But what is the latest with Tennessee's newcomers? We've got, uh, yeah, there are uh, most of them on campus already. Is this where we give the microphone to Ryan and then back away for a bit? No, no. Back off. No, not at all. Um, These are all all Grants guys anyway. That's true. Oh, yeah. I claimed all these guys. Yeah, that's right. Except for the ones that aren't here. I didn't claim those. I may claim the one that could be here in a little bit. Yeah, he can (laughs) find that one too. (laughs) So these are all Grants guys, just to to preface it. But, uh, yeah, most of the the signees and commitments uh, that Tennessee was expecting to add this summer are already on campus. They are waiting on still a couple of guys. 
Um, one one clarification: there was uh, some question over whether, whether Keller Chris, the, the Stanford graduate transfer quarterback, had made it to Knoxville. He indeed is on campus, as we saw confirmed in a video Tennessee released this week. Um, you know, I'd, I'd been led to believe that his academic calendar at Stanford would keep him out there until early June at, at least, and then he would graduate in around mid June. Uh, looks like he's found a way to, to make it to Tennessee. So that's, that's obviously good news. He gets in a few weeks earlier, gets to study the playbook, gets to know his teammates, throw with them and things like that. So that's uh, maybe improves his odds of winning that starting job. He this can, year. he can quote Dewey Cox and say, do you want to have a catch? Yeah, it's uh it's an important year for him. Let's face it. So, so not a bad thing for him to get an earlier start there. So that is, uh, worth noting, uh, the guys they're still waiting on. Two, frankly, of the higher-rated players that were, were coming in in this class, interestingly enough. Uh, J.J. Peterson, the star of the class, the four-star linebacker from South Georgia. Yeah, I mean, not a fail. I mean, he's he's on his way in all likelihood. Uh, it sounds, I'd be floored if he's not here in July. Yeah, it just, uh, it's a delay. He was wa- awaiting some test scores. Wes just sent everyone into a panic with that sound yeah. effect. Well, yeah. no, he, the true story, I was... Derek Dooley stunned if he's I, not here. I was trying to load that earlier when Ryan was talking about how it was hard to figure out what was going on with Keller Chris, and I was going to play the sad trombone then, but then the, the site didn't load first. So, so then I played it for J.J. So, Peterson. I was so like, it still operator. works. So get better internet is what you're saying. Yeah. Well, all you guys are on it right now, so... Um, also... <laughs> so So, yeah. J- Freeloaders. So J.J. Peterson not... Not here yet. Uh, had some work to do. It sounds like he's he's ta- he's got one class to take, right, Patrick? You spoke with his coach, Rush Probst, and got the the latest uh, just a couple days ago. Yeah, Rush and I are be, we're getting on a first name basis this month, trying to <laughs> keep, what what keep is up what with, is that? Keep up with uh, with what JJ Peterson is doing. No, uh, they're now they're now aiming for so these. So you could have been on two a days if you'd been calling him this much years ago. Yeah, I guess it could have been. Uh, I never actually watched that show, even though it was. I think aimed at my target audience or my target demographic. What Anyways. are you? What are you even? <coughs> I don't know. I was born in '88. What does that make me? You're Young, a, you're a millennial. As, not than, as old as Wes. Is younger than me. me. Younger than me. Uh, Peterson has to take. He has to retake a class this month. Um, Probst told me that his ACT score is qualified. He's good there. Um, this is a class he's retaking to get a better grade. He didn't fail it the first time. They're just trying to get a better grade to raise his core GPA, which is part of the standard to get through the – don't call it the NCAA Clearinghouse. It's now called the Eligibility Center Yeah. Uh, to make sure everything's there. So uh, Prep said that this class probably will end up finishing around the third week of June, in which case he could be here uh, even before – the start of the second summer session, which is, I believe, July 9th. So, so yeah, so, obviously not a not a major concern. I think you always worry in a situation like that that, oh, no, the worst-case scenario still is out there that he doesn't get done what he needs to do and he, and he can't make it in. But it's pretty easy to see the path to J.J. Peterson getting to Tennessee this summer. So I think the, there's a good chance, like you were saying, he will, he will be here eventually. It's just a matter of when. Will it be in time for that second just, session? Yeah, in just July? trying, just trying to get some of these last like one, one or two last hurdles. They originally were hoping to get here by the end of this week. Uh, classes started last week. Uh, they were waiting on final grades from the semester and an ACT score that he retook, just trying to improve in score, improve his score. Uh, and so, it, <clears throat> again, I think if push comes to shove, Tennessee will find a way to get him in. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think he's too good of a player, and usually uh, these things get done. <laughs> yeah, I mean. It, you, Fulmer and between Jeremy Pruitt and Philip Fulmer, I think I think Peterson will be here in July. I think they'll find a way to to make that work. 
Um, he, yeah, he's not a guy that you're not going to take a chance on. I can't believe he's having to retake that class. I keep saying, listen, a lot of the staff comes from places where if you needed to just, you just call, you call a couple, call a couple high school guidance counselors, call a couple, call a couple high school teachers. You get that grade well, fixed, and then you get him in well, school. Well, it, it might be a situation where they think he can get the job done, and they don't want to take any risks. They don't want to have a Preston Williams situation where he's got to take retake the test in August, and he's missing camp. Uh, so that you know, if you have a chance and you're confident to get your your eyes dotted and your T's crossed now, we need to go down there and have an intelligent corruption seminar and tell them, listen, <laughs> here's how you can do it and get away with it. People have been doing this Herbert's for has been for in Alabama. Years. I think he knows how to That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I'm just saying no we state of Alabama folks. No, no, no. no, 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 no. I'm no, saying I'm talking saying, we're talking about like SEC in the 80s and I'm ta- 90s. I'm talking about like, how Alabama a lot of these guys were on the SEC like in the 90s and, and 80s when it wasn't quite the wild west of like the 1970s Southwest Conference, but you could get some stuff done. I was talking – my, my thing was that Alabama's football program, I'm sure, has had guys that are in the same boat as J.J. Peterson or in worse shape, and they have gotten them into school. So Yes. yes. And Pruitt has seen them get into school, so he's seen the ways of the force, Telling of the Nick Saban force. Randy Moss, straight cash, homie. Watch so, every time. So Peterson's situation is fairly – I don't want to say cut and dry, but it's it's a lot more laid out than this Brent Lawless deal, and I'll defer to Ryan on this one. He's yeah. a natural guy. What well, a segue. We what had, a segue. Yeah. Well, we hadn't even mentioned his Pivot. name. Uh, but, yeah, Brant Lawless obviously is the other one. There's been some uh, some some mystery, I guess, about his situation. Uh, we knew he was not on campus uh, yet, and it's come out a little more this week exactly why. But academics were always believed to be the main reason, and it, it does look like that's still the the main concern there. And uh, And now it's, you know, from what we know about the situation – Obviously, nothing's a done deal with anyone this this time of year. But a lot, some in some cases, you know sooner; in some cases, you know a little later what a player's ultimate fate is going to be. And in, in Brant Lawless's case, I think we already know enough that there's a legitimate chance, you know, uh, more so than with JJ Peterson. I think that he doesn't get to Tennessee this summer. So that's one to really keep an eye on. We'll we'll see what what happens there. But you know, I, I don't think Tennessee is necessarily expecting him to 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 make it in this year. And if that's the case, you know that that might explain um, a little bit of why Tennessee was able to to work Bryce Thompson into its class uh, into his twenty eighteen class, the four star athlete from Columbia, South Carolina. We'll, Another segue. We'll, we'll discuss that one here in a few minutes, but that's not a segue, premature segue. Yeah, but uh, but uh, you know, lawless for for Tennessee. I don't think people necessarily realized it as much at the time, but there still is a new rule in place. You know, Tennessee couldn't go out there and look for seven or eight late additions to this class, you still were confined by a fairly new rule that uh, really that just started this year, just went into effect this year, that you can only bring in 25 new scholarship players per year. And when you added Bryce Thompson with the looming possibility of Brandon Kennedy still out there being a graduate transfer offensive lineman from Alabama that Tennessee still could add, for them to add Kennedy now, that means one of their signees can't make it in, essentially. And I think the the fact that Tennessee was willing to take Bryce Thompson was maybe, in hindsight, kind of telegraphing the fact that they thought Brant Lawless might not make it in. So, uh, obviously, there's still some, you know, at least a little bit of concern with J.J. Peterson, too. But, you know, again, as we said, we think he will probably make it in. So, whatever the case, Tennessee will, will get to add another player this summer. And uh, and in all likelihood, that's that's J.J. Peterson because at this point, I think Brant Lawless has a, a good bit of work to do, and, and there's there's no guarantee it gets done. So, that's – Definitely one worth watching, and uh, and one we'll be continuing to to track over the next several weeks. 
So are th- th- those are the main pieces, right? Yeah, aside, those, aside, aside from those guys, pretty much everybody else. Ev- everybody else is in, as far as we know. Haven't heard of anyone else who who hasn't shown up and gone to class. Everyone else was scheduled to be in, and, and we've we've heard nothing different so far. Uh, again, there was there were, there was a question over whether Keller Chris made it in last week, and he did. There was also some question as to whether Madre London, the other graduate transfer, the running back from Michigan State, was in. And you I believe think he, Jan Grantano, have gone out for tacos yet, just to like go out there and have a little. Have a little, have a little meeting, or yeah. they just stare at each other. They're like, "Is this like Dale and Brennan early in Step Brothers?" Maybe think right now, yeah. Where eventually they're going to be best friends, but right now they're just like, "You got to call me Dragon. <laughs> you got to call me Nighthawk." Bass built eighteen sixty four. General Custer. <laughs> but General Custer, don't touch my drums. Yeah. I was talking about the fancy sauce. <laughs> this is number one rule of the house: do not touch my drums. Yeah, so. it's still a lot of ketchup. I like it. So so yeah, I, I, we thought those guys. You know, there were some questions my as, first beer. <laughs> as to whether they would be in in, in the first dinosaur. session, the first session of summer classes, and they they did make it in. It looks like so. Yeah, pretty much all all eyes are now on JJ Peterson and Brant Lawless, the four star defensive tackle, to see if they if they make it into Tennessee this year. And otherwise, uh, everything's gone pretty smoothly so far for Tennessee, adding some some much needed help across the board. Anything before we get out of here with the. Uh, with this uh, recruiting video, Tennessee has has unleashed to the world via social media. Anything? Did we talk any, about Thompson? We didn't talk about Bryce Thompson. I thought we so, did talk about. Well, we just kind of touched on it briefly, but let, uh, let's that, talk. That was okay, a premature segue. Yeah. Now it's a mature segue. Patrick, will you, will you crinkle the paper right here? Can you, can you do that? Wes, I'm not prepared. Can, can you crinkle the paper? But it's the wedding timeline paper. Yeah. You could have you could have acted like it was a different piece of paper. This this is not I don't a, want to lie to the loyal listeners of the Go Balls twenty four seven podcast this, this brought is to you by the Go Balls twenty four seven podcast, not a vlog. You you're the one misleading them, Wes, uh, or trying to. But yeah, Tennessee did. Again, I'm very mediocre at my job. If I want to mislead the people, that's their own fault. <laughs> the people who hired me. Congratulations, twenty four seven sports. They'll be they'll be eagerly awaiting your return from the honeymoon. Um Yeah, coming back with a nice pink slip. Br- Bryce Thompson, the four star athlete, uh, Columbia, South Carolina was a South Carolina commitment before signing day, didn't sign with South Carolina, ends up uh, waiting around past signing day, kind of a kind of just out there free on the market. Tennessee brings him in in late February for a visit. He came back quietly for the spring game back in April. And uh, I think, you know, kind of at, right after that, really, I, I think it had kind of come together that it was going to be Tennessee for him as long as everything checked out okay, as long as they figured out a way to – to get him into their class. I know they still wanted offensive line help at that point. They still were looking at graduate transfer corners and things like that. But he was the one that as long as everything checked out and they, they got him in. Really uh, impressive film. Yeah, it, it would be uh, – it, would, it, would, it was going to be Tennessee. Uh, Marshall was the other school that was pretty heavily involved with him after signing day. Louisville, I think, showed some interest as well. But uh, pretty much to play in the SEC – Still, where he wanted to be. Boy, those are some second chance U universities. Yeah, <laughs> Marshall, <laughs> and and so so Tennessee gave, gave him a chance to still play in the SEC. Where and, was yep. Auburn? That would have made it. <laughs> Just saying. So he had some. Yeah, he had some academic. He has to get concerns. like arrested first, and then he can go to that's, Auburn. That's true. That's true. So he had some academic Typically, concerns. Typically, that's how the Tigers work. Um, and, and there were there were some. <laughs> They're good kids. <laughs> There might have been uh, there might have been multiple red flags on that one. We we can't really speak much on that. There's been you know rumors of of things, reasons he may have been out there on the market after signing day, but you know we can't speak to that beyond knowing that he With had that some... much smoke. There's at least a little bit of a fire. It's just kind of how bad the fire is, probably. 
That's, I mean, that that seems to now listen. That this is West Rucker talking here. This yeah, is not, I don't th- want to th- speculate on this. This is not Goval's twenty four seven. This is not CBS Sports. This is not twenty four seven Sports. This is me saying that when there is that much smoke, there's usually at least a small fire somewhere, or else he would be at South Carolina. So, yeah. or there could be sour grapes from people. It could be. Yes. Yeah, there, uh, there, so, something somewhere has gone my, wrong there. My, now it might not be that bad. We'll my, see. Yeah, my stance on this has been that Tennessee. Did its due diligence. They knew he was do, out there. I do believe that. Yeah, they did. They knew he was out there after signing day for a reason. They decided it was whatever risk there might have been, academic or otherwise, that it was worth the risk on their end. And I've I've spoken with people. He was a four star, but I've spoken with people that thought he could have been ranked even higher. That thought he was maybe a top one hundred or top two hundred type player nationally. His film is yeah, is ridi- and the film's supposed to look good. Highlight films, but his is ridiculous. He, he put up some eye popping numbers in high school last year. Led his team to a state title, I believe. Had. 1,300-something rushing yards, 600-something receiving yards, and then made some plays on defense and special teams also. This is the kind of player he was. Only had a pretty small number of kick and punt returns and still had, I think, three or four special teams touchdowns. Because people senior. were trying to avoid him, and when they yeah. did, made him pay. Evan Berry style, kind of. Yeah, so when he gets his hands on the ball, he's he's just tough to stop. And that's one one reason. He's, a, he's an athlete. He's capable of playing either side of the ball, much like Elante Taylor yeah. in this class. But that's one reason I think he gets his first look at receiver in his Twitter bio kind of says wide receiver at the University of Tennessee. So he's expecting, I think, to get his first look on offense. But he's a guy that could maybe bounce around depending on how he looks early on in camp and depending on what happens with Elante Taylor. You know, he, he's looking at defense still, it sounds like. So if he goes defense, maybe Bryce Thompson more likely to stay on offense. But gives you a nice, some nice flexibility there with both of those positions being positions of need, obviously, especially cornerback. But to have an athlete like Thompson, I would – I would want the ball in his hand as much as possible. Tyler Bird's Twitter profile still says he's a defensive back. <laughs> he's still holding on to the dream. Well, and, and no matter what anybody says about the kid or if anything comes out like that, just remember the Jason Rusbert story uh, at Tennessee yeah. and go back and research that and look at the stories that were there about Tennessee when he was uh, a freshman or when he was signed, signed with Tennessee and then look at him being like the FCA president uh, before he left the University of Tennessee and how much – uh, things can change. So uh, before, if anything does come out, just remember sometimes a second chance for a kid is a, I, I don't care what university it is. I'm a major proponent of second chances for kids. Um, you know, if you're older, then that's just your own fault. You're an idiot. But I think with kids, you know, I, I, I'm a proponent of giving kids another chance. So let's see, hopefully this works out. Before we get out of here, guys, anything else about uh, this? Now I'm going to try it again. This recruiting video that Tennessee put out, it was a slick-looking video, some cool stuff in there. Anything that stood out apart from us saying, oh, hey, look, that's Keller Christ. Hey, uh, two things that stood out to me. First of all, Craig Fitzgerald is a crazy person. He is nuts. And uh, We had I, heard that, but that gives you, like, the evidence of it. Well, I mean, he's even in, like, a like a pre-workout, like, here's what we're going to do pep talk. I'm, like, kind of, like, peeing down my leg a little bit, and I'm not even on the team. <laughs> and then I, mean, I went outside just, and I bench-pressed my SUV. <laughs> just, I mean... <laughs> I mean, these are these kids, like, first day in college, and this dude is just like, I'm going to treat you like a senior. you got to, you know, nothing, 6 a.m. runs if you're late to class, nothing, if you're doing this. Nothing better than football strength coaches. Well, it, and I, it, I, it, Honestly, the only thing Grant's it was missing, the only thing it was missing was, such caricatures. was if they showed up and, like, they started shaving all their heads with a one guard, like the opening scene of Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> well, and this is, I think, the best example of clearly where things went wrong under Butch Jones the last year or two. When you got rid of Dave Lawson... Ooh, things went wrong in a lot of ways. They then. did, but this was the thing Don't that... Don't get I, West started. This was the thing that He's I got think, a wedding on Saturday. Th- this was the... His wedding. The tip of the iceberg, clearly, where things really started to go off course 
was getting rid of Dave Lawson and going essentially without a a permanent head strength and conditioning coach during the 2016 season. Paying 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 a strength coach a head strength coach yeah. sixty six thousand dollars. Are those important? Are those important? Yeah, allegedly. Now you, you kind of diminish their importance. I I think. No, he, I just think they're funny to watch. No, they are. They are. No, <laughs> but what my point was. Breed. My, yes. my point was, and, and I, people have made this point to me since signing day, so it's not really my point, but I think the the idea is that Tennessee lost its discipline sort of starting in the 2016 season or going into that season, and the, you've got to kind of have that, cra- that crazy kind of guy to to start to – this is where discipline starts and ends in a football program usually is with the strength conditioning coach because, you know, as you saw in the video, he's the one telling you to get places on time. If you're not, you're going to pay for it with you know 6 a.m. workouts or what whatever the punishment might be and that's so that's where things start and end you go to class you go get places on time and that's this is where it all starts and Tennessee didn't have that in 2016 I think that's where Butch Jones's program started to kind of lose its footing the second thing to me was uh Jeremy Banks is a big dude yes I have no good I have no idea how good he's gonna be not like Derrick Henry big but big I mean he's Big, big too. Like he's, I mean, you can tell he weighs what two twenty something probably two fifteen to two twenty. The latest I heard. I believe that on on that Memphis barbecue. Well, there's a there's a dirty Dova. There's a photo of him too that people picked up on on Twitter of him like jumping over a car maybe. (laughs) Oh wait, no, it's just a hurdle. Yeah, just a hurdle. But it but it's an impressive looking moment that where he's in midair and it looks I, like, like I said I have no idea if he's gonna be any good but he certainly looks like the guy that Jeremy Pruitt was talking about back in spring and, when he was like I like guys that like to I'm, I'm trying to figure out what the rock I'm trying to figure out what's more impressive that or defenses that or Tennessee basketball signee DJ Burns the the enrollee I guess now he uh the picture of his Twitter profile picture where he's dunking on a kid that looks to be about four foot two during a game. <laughs> it's go kid, look kid is probably playing tough defense though. Just he left handed just oh, just a hawk throwing it right down on his face. What I learned from that video is how much stuff they have to do as soon as they get here. Different stuff, the the same, all that different stuff they have to handle for the rest of their careers. And from the second they get there, there's a camera in their face, uh, in the team meeting room, in the weight room, uh, on the practice field, uh, going to class. They followed him. I mean, my first I class. I in the sky don't lie. Who who had any idea what you were doing when you were walking to your first class? Now imagine doing that with cameras following you. Like that would be the worst thing in the world to me, but yeah. I mean that's that's the reality of of what these kids get as soon as they get here. Just like that, it that's seemed what, like a, that's it, what you're saying. It seemed like for. a lot of the freshmen had like I don't want to say overwhelmed looked looks on their faces, but like what did I just get myself get, into? Remind, like my reminded first, me of the early scenes of Full Metal Jacket. It really did. And that's uh, uh, I mean that's that's what college is. You it's a whole new like yeah. life. I mean going to my first class in college, I left the dorm with my roommate. And we just kept walking the same direction, walking the same direction, walking the same direction until we got to the same classroom and realized we were in the same class. That's how little idea we had what was going on. Yeah, when I first got to college, uh, my one of my best friends, uh, basically my sister, uh, I, I, we, I was in one dorm. She was in the dorm right across the uh, street. And so I walked over to her dorm, and her roommate was really, really good-looking. And that was what I focused on for the first little bit of my college experience. So I, I, I can't imagine them being like, uh, and I didn't go to a lot of class, so. Um, but these kids, they don't have a choice. They got to be there. They got to be in the first few rows. Are they going to be crazy. running with Crazy Fitzgerald at six a.m.? Just un- <laughs> unbelievable. I'd be getting to class twenty minutes early. Fascinating video, nonetheless. So there's yeah. another coach on campus that I can't say who, and a strength coach. And if you were late to anything, or you missed something, or uh, didn't have something turned in on time. The punishment was not running at 6 a.m. It was just spending your entire Saturday with that coach. 
like while that coach runs errands and does stuff with his wife, you got to sit there and learn the importance of respecting people's time. Good, nice little Saturday. Oh, Home Depot, Bed Bath yeah. Beyond. I don't know if we're gonna have enough time. There was the time that that I think I forget if he was late to a class or or said did something he should not have done. But uh, when Conzo Martin made Jordan McRae sit there for, uh, they did a full practice, and then Jordan McRae's punishment was he sat there with the Gatorade cooler and sipped Gatorade while the rest of the team was running for like 45 minutes, like doing sprints. And, and McRae had to sit there and watch them do that. It's like that, that to me is the most cold-blooded punishment is to sit there and do nothing while making your teammates go do all this other stuff and thinking, I'm going to get private piled, I'm going to get private piled, I'm going to get private piled. That will get your attention in a hurry. And, and that is something that, that sort of breeds accountability. So I, I thought that things like that work. But anyways, uh, congratulations, kids. Your new strength coach is insane. So good luck with that. He's not the first. He won't be the last strength coach to be insane, but he's, he's very good at what he does. Hey, new weight, weight room equipment, though. Yeah. But the orange don't match. Some Tennessee fans are really upset about that. And I don't like it when socks and shoes don't match, but come on. They also don't like it when their head coaches don't wear orange enough. <laughs> I've seen that. I've noticed that. Remember that time with Lane Kiffin when he said, guys, I don't never wear orange because it looks stupid in orange. And we laughed at him. And the next day he showed up to a press conference wearing orange and really did look stupid. And he went, see, guys, this is what I'm talking about. Is this what you want me to wear every day? So that's why he wears white all the time. That's a true story. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back next week, uh, even though I will be at the beach in St. Lucia, drinking things with rum in them, going on boat rides, snorkeling, playing golf, all kinds of fun things. Congrats, Wes. Don't screw it up. While the rest of y'all are working. But we'll still have a podcast because we're about to record another one that we will release next week. Pat, any final thoughts? Nope.